Today we're wrapping up the book of Jonah, Jonah chapter 4. And let's just pray this morning. Father, we're so glad to be in your house today. Lord, we're so glad that we are your children. Lord, that even when we stray and wander as we do, your love and your grace, in your love and your grace, you pursue us with a tender heart of a father to draw us back into relationship with yourself. Lord, as we spend time in your word today, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, we want to hear from you. Lord, we know that your spirit right now is speaking. So, Lord, give us ears to hear what you're saying to us. Lord, that you would change us and mold us into the people you've called us to be. Lord, that we, as your people, would reflect you to the world. You've called us to be light. You've called us to be the salt of the earth. So, Lord, help us through our time in your word today to become more of the people that you've called us to be, and that we would glorify you with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So, most people know about the story of Jonah, but most don't know how the story concludes. Those who know of the story of Jonah think that it probably ended after, you know, he got spit up by the whale. Last week, we looked at chapter 3 and how Jonah went and preached. Most people don't know about that. And certainly, most people don't know about chapter 4, which is the whole point of the whole book, which we're going to get into today. But Jonah is a surprising book of the Bible. Everything that happens in this book is surprising. It is out of the ordinary. And so what we've seen is that God called Jonah and he said, I want you to take a message to the people of Nineveh. And the first surprising thing is that Jonah got up from his time of prayer and didn't go to Nineveh, but he went the opposite direction. Very unusual. We see that God sent us an incredible storm upon Jonah as he fled from him. It was so unusual and such an incredible storm that the sailors began to call out to God for salvation. Jonah, unwittingly, he didn't even try to, but he ends up witnessing to these sailors and they all convert to serving God. They throw away their idols. They vow to serve the one true living God. They end up throwing Jonah overboard and as Jonah sinks he, and is drowning in this storm, he finally calls out to God in repentance. And God, in his grace and in his mercy, sends a giant fish to eat Jonah. We serve a good God, don't we? And Jonah, in chapter 3, or chapter 2, rather, we saw, he prayed, we saw him praying this prayer to God and worshiping God inside the belly of the fish. And he vows to do what God asked him to do. And so God directs Jonah, uh, the fish to go and vomit Jonah out on the beach. And um, any day on the beach is a good day, no matter how you get there. And so Jonah <laughs> spends a day on the beach washing off fish guts and vomit and all that. And then eventually he makes his way to Nineveh. Nineveh, the Bible says, is a huge city, takes three days to walk across it. Jonah walks one day into the middle of the city without saying a word. Then he lifts up his voice and he preaches one of the shortest sermons we have recorded in the Bible. Some of you would say, I wish you preached like Jonah, Pastor. Listen, listen, I wish I did too because the whole city repented, right? So, I mean, it was awesome. You know, it, it's, unu it's very unusual, a very short sermon from a preacher. Wow, what is going on here? And, and then the whole city repents. From the king on down, even down to the animals, 
they say, they, they say well, you're not eating anything, animals. We got we to gotta cry out to God. It shows the depths of their repentance, turning from their evil ways. Who's ever heard of a whole city repenting after one sermon? And then today we see the conclusion that after God relented of bringing judgment, because we know that God is a God of grace and mercy and love, after God saw the, the, their repentance, he, he decided not to bring the judgment upon this wicked, evil city and instead to show them grace and show them mercy. And so that leaves us with the final chapter, Jonah chapter 4. How does Jonah respond to God's grace and love and mercy for the Ninevites? Jonah chapter 4 verse 1 says, But... It displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry, and he prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was still in my country? That's why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful and slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and resenting from disaster. Jonah says, I knew this would happen. God, I knew if I went and did what you told me to do, that you would find some way to forgive them, some way to show them love, some way to show them grace, some way to show them mercy. Because I know, God, that that's who you are. Now, you have to remember that the Ninevites, uh, the, the, the city of Nineveh was the capital city of a nation called Assyria that was Israel's neighbors, and they were at war with one another. These were their enemies. And Jonah is a proud Israelite. He loves his country. And he sees that Assyria is rising in power and that if, if they go unchecked, that it's not going to be good for his nation. And so he wants God to judge them for their evil ways. He wants God to bring judgment upon them and wipe them out. Yet when God relents, he's angry. He says in verse 3, Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. For it would be better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said to him, Is it right that you are so angry? And Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. And he sat under the shade till he should see what would become of the city. So Jonah goes out of the city and he goes up and he waits and he says, you know what, I'm just going to camp out here for a little while. And maybe God will change his mind and end up smiting the Ninevites. So verse 6 says, now the Lord appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. Isn't God good? Isn't God just so good? So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. That's the same word that they use to describe Jonah's 
anger in the first verse and his displeasure in the first verse, but now he's not exceedingly angry and displeased at God. Now, because he has a little bit of shade, he's exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind. And the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes! It is right for me to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow. It came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120 thousand people who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. God's saying, Jonah, if you don't care about the people, would you at least care about the animals? Jonah, this is how the book ends. A surprising turn of events in the life of of Jonah in the life of this prophet surprises in this book at every single turn including Jonah's response Jonah should have been happy amen he's one of the greatest preachers there's ever been the whole city repents the whole city listens to his word the whole city turns away, renounces their evil. They turn to God and they cry out to God for mercy. It's a massive revival. And Jonah's mad about it. He's ticked off. He's angry at God. He wants to die. This might be, it might be the biggest meltdown and mental collapse in the whole Bible. He's totally lost it. He was wildly successful, yet it was not what he wanted. He's become bitter, angry, depressed, suicidal, and he is mad at God. And here we see so clearly that what God wanted for the Ninevites is not what Jonah wanted. That God's will and Jonah's will, they were not aligned. God and Jonah were not on the same page. The outcome they were hoping for was not the same. You see, Jonah was hoping that God would bring judgment. And God was wanting all along to bring grace. Amen. 
But Jonah has allowed bitterness, anger, resentment against a group of people to totally cloud his judgment, to totally grip his heart. He's so angry at these people that he wanted God to kill all 120,000 of them. That's pretty nasty stuff. Pretty nasty stuff going on in the heart of God's man, of God's prophet. And that's Jonah. But then what do we see God do? What does God do in response to this? We see that God, even when we're at our worst, he is still faithful to us. That God pursues Jonah. He pursues his bad prophet with grace and mercy. And God is trying to open Jonah's eyes to see what God sees. And so God questions Jonah. He, he doesn't just say, okay, Jonah, that's it. I'm tired of you. I'm tired of your disobedience. I'm tired of your complaining. I'm tired of your bad attitude and your bitterness, your resentment, your self-righteousness. Jonah, that's it. I'm done with you. God doesn't do that. Why? Because God doesn't throw away people. God doesn't throw away people. And so the same grace that he showed to the Ninevites is the same grace that he comes and he shows to Jonah. And so he comes to Jonah and he says, Jonah, is it right for you to be so angry about this? Jonah just digs in. Yes, it is right, God. Absolutely it is. I am justified in my anger. These wicked people, I knew you would forgive them. I knew it. I knew you wouldn't do it. It is right. And so God just simply causes this plant to grow. Jonah there camping out outside, living in the elements, battling the elements. He could have gone home. But instead, he, he held out hope that maybe, just maybe, God would rain down fire from heaven on these people. And if it happened, he didn't want to miss it. He wanted a front row seat. That's why he's there. He wants to see the fireworks. He wants to see the fire and brimstone. He wants a front row seat. He's got his s'mores ready to go. He's got his, you know, weenie roast. He's ready to... to, to Camp out and, and cook his food on their rubble of a city in flames. That's what he's there to do. So he's there battling the elements and God causes the shade plant to grow up over him. And Jonah's just so happy. Oh, wow, this is so nice. There's this nice little gentle breeze blowing. Where were we at the other day? We were at, we were at Six Flags Fiesta, Texas, and it was 90 bazillion degrees outside. And all of a sudden, this nice little cloud cover came over, and a little wind blew. And Heather goes, oh, it's so nice. The cloud is so nice. And 30 seconds later, it was gone. We were sweating. 
This is what happens. God causes this plant to just grow up and comes and gives Jonah a little bit of cover from the elements. And with the same anger that Jonah had towards God, all of a sudden he's just so happy with this plant. Oh, I love this plant. It's my favorite plant. Oh, this is so amazing. And then the next day as Jonah wakes up and he goes and he camps out under the plant and he's there reclining. He's got his lemonade there just waiting to see, is God going to do it today? Here comes this worm that God sends. This worm to come and start eating the plant. Gnawing at the plant. Chewing up the plant. I'm sure Jonah's like, get out of here, you worm. This is my plant. The worm comes back. He eats the whole thing up. And now Jonah wants to die again. God, I wish you would just kill me. My life is such a wreck. I thought you would do it this way and you did it that way. I want you to see that God is pursuing Jonah. God loves Jonah. God is trying to help Jonah seize what he sees. So he pursues him. He goes after him. He asks him these questions. He says, Jonah, don't you see these people? Jonah, this bitterness in your heart, you, you've got to get rid of this. It's ruining your life that you care more about this stupid, silly little plant than 120,000 people. And we look at Jonah's response, and we look at how he responded to this situation, and rightfully, we are appalled. What's wrong with this guy? Did his mother, like, abuse him? Was his dad really a nasty dude? Did his, was he bottle-fed? Like, what happened to this guy? I mean, did he have no TLC? You know, what's going on? Does mom not feed him organic, you know, whatever? I mean, what, what happened to this kid that he's so angry, that he's so bitter? And rightfully so, we are appalled at him. His attitude is horrible. His heart is hard. He needs a new heart. But Jonah's not the only one who needs a new heart. And before we're too harsh on Jonah... We need to take a look in the mirror. Because it's not only Jonah who gets angry and bitter and depressed and mad at God. Jonah's mad at God because he believes God failed him. Jonah's not the only one who ever feels like that. Some of you lose your Christianity at the checkout line at HEB. We look at Jonah's response and we're like, that Jonah, what a fool, what an idiot, what an ignoramus. I thank God I'm not like Jonah. And then they can't figure out how to ring you up at H-E-B. Isn't there anybody around here that knows how to do anything? Where do they train these, where do they find these people? Or at lying in the drive-thru. Or riding in the car with your kids. It's not just Jonah. Hello? 
We shouldn't be so quick to judge him because we're often in the same boat. Have you ever been angry at God? Have you ever questioned God? Have you ever let bitterness and self-righteousness get in? God, why are you blessing them? Look at how they live. God, I can just tell they're not worthy of your blessing just by getting on their Facebook. If that's what they put on Facebook, what are they really doing? God, how could you bless her? Look at what she's wearing. How could you bless them? God, how could you promote so-and-so? Don't you see my life, God? Don't you see the way I'm living, God? Don't you see how faithful I am and how wonderful I am? Hello, God. I'm just waiting on those windows of heaven to open up. Ever let any of that stuff in? The good news is that just as God is faithful in pursuing Jonah, he's also faithful in pursuing us. And as we read this story of a prophet who's overlooking a great city, it reminds me of another prophet as he entered into a great city. That prophet, of course, is the Lord Jesus And as Jesus rode into Jerusalem during the last week of his life, he knew that those people in this city would betray him and murder him. Yet instead of being filled with resentment and anger and bitterness and self-righteousness, he was filled, the Bible says, with compassion. Filled with compassion. The same thing that filled God's heart towards the Ninevites. Compassion is the same heart that beat within Jesus as he entered into this city that would murder him. In Luke chapter 19, verse 41, it says, When Jesus drew near and saw Jerusalem, he wept over it. He wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes because you did not know the time of your visitation. In Luke 13, he said, Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I have desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings But you were not willing. Jesus, it says, was moved with compassion. That he was able to identify with even his own enemies. And feel this intense burning heart towards them. But Jesus did not only weep for his enemies, he died for them as well. Jonah goes outside the city hoping it will be destroyed in judgment. Jesus goes outside the city walls to die on a cross to purchase its salvation. 
And on the cross, Jesus cries out, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. They don't understand what is happening. If, if they truly knew the truth, they would not be doing this. Imagine that Jesus prays for those who have betrayed him, who have beaten him, who have flogged him, who have mocked him, who have spit upon him, who have slapped him in his face, who have plucked out his beard, who have nailed him to a cross. Jesus on the cross prays, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This shows us the heart of God, God's heart for people. And this is the same thing that God expressed to Jonah. He said, listen, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know their right hand from their left, is how God described it. They're just wandering around in spiritual darkness. They don't understand the depths of their sin. They don't understand... They just don't know, Jonah. And I am pursuing them in grace, and I am pursuing them in love, and I am pursuing them in mercy. And what is so amazing, and, and for me so eye-opening, is that the same grace that God showed to the Ninevites is the same grace that Jonah needed. Amen? That the same grace that God bestowed on his enemies is the same grace that I still need as one of his sons. That we as God's people cannot allow bitterness and anger and resentment for whatever people have done to us to come in and take up root within our hearts. And the story of Jonah, it ends with a cliffhanger. What's Jonah going to do? How's he going to respond? The story doesn't say. We see the pride in his heart, the self-righteousness, the prejudice against the Ninevites. Does he see these things? Is he awakened by this, by God's subtle pleas and drawing out his heart? Does he renounce them? Does he repent uh, to God? Does he repent to others? What will Jonah do? The reason Jonah ends this way is because the story is not just about Jonah. The story is also about us, the people of God, and our heart, our heart attitudes toward other people. And what God is trying to tell Jonah is also what God is trying to tell us, and that is that my people should reflect my character. God's people should reflect God's character. God's character of love and mercy and grace. Amazing grace. Grace that is undeserved, unearned, unending, new every morning. God's people should reflect God's character. And what God is trying to accomplish in Jonah, he's also trying to accomplish in me 
and in you. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul writes and he says, We all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into God's image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is spirit. Listen, you need to know that God is wanting to transform you. That we come to God and his arms are wide open. He takes us as we are. Hallelujah. God doesn't say, okay, do X, Y, and Z, and then I'll, maybe I'll think about it. No, God takes us as we are, broken, a jumbled mess of pride, self-righteousness, sin. He welcomes us as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us there. He loves Jonah too much to leave him there, consumed with rage and anger and bitterness and depression and suicidal thoughts. He loves Jonah too much to leave him there alone. And God loves you too much to leave you the way you are. Battling the same things, battling the same attitudes and the same heart conditions. And so God is in the process of producing himself within us. His heart, his nature, his character. So that we, throughout our lives, become more and more like him. How many of you still have a little bit of room to grow? Amen? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> When we read about Jesus praying for the people who put him on the cross, I say, Lord, I've got a little bit more room to grow. There's a, there's a big gap between where you are and where I am. But God, who is spirit, has put his spirit in our hearts. He's transforming us. He's making us into the people he's called us to be and so we as God's people having received grace must be willing to show grace to others we as God's people who have been forgiven by God we must in turn forgive others we as God's people who have been shown compassion we must be compassionate to others, we as God's people who have been loved by God must love others. We must reflect the God that we serve. You see, God is in the transformation business. God's in the transformation business. He's into taking what is broken and dead and defeated and making it alive, giving it new life, giving it victory in Jesus Christ. That's Jonah's story. Where does he go from here? We, we don't really know. But what about your story? Where do you go from here? Jonah was filled with all kinds of nasty stuff. But Jonah didn't know what you and I know. 
Jonah didn't know about the cross. Jonah didn't know about Jesus who came and died for sinners and shed his blood so that we could be forgiven and set free. Forgiven and set free. The Bible says that Jesus came to bring freedom, to set the captives free. You see, it's not God's will that you would live bound up with bitterness. That's not the will of God for you. It's not the will of God that you would live bound up with anger and prejudice and self-righteousness and pride. That's not God's will for you. Did you know that? Jesus came to set you free from all that junk. Not only has he forgiven it, but he has the power to set us free. So stop walking through life with these things. Bring them to Jesus. Stop carrying these burdens of unforgiveness towards so-and-so who did this to your dad 40 years ago. Take that burden and give it to Jesus. Take it to the cross. Jesus says, my yoke is easy. My burden is easy. He says, cast all of your cares, cast all of your burdens upon me because I care about you. Listen, why are you carrying around all this weight, all this baggage when Jesus has paid the price for it? Take it to Jesus today. Leave it at the foot of the cross. Leave it there. Amen? Don't pick it back up. Don't come to Jesus and lay it at his feet and, God, I'm giving all of this to you. All right, I'm taking it back with me, Lord. I'll see you next Sunday. Come, we'll do it again. Let Jesus take care of it. Listen, Jesus came to set you free. Jesus came and has, the Bible says, has broken the power of the enemy in your life. Amen. Confess your sins to God and walk in your freedom today. Ask God to forgive you. Ask God to forgive others. Ask God to, to, to bless your enemies. And watch how God will set you free from anger and bitterness. You can't pray for blessing on people that you hate. You can't do it. You can't pray for blessing on people that you hate. And so what you will find is you begin to pray for blessing on people, something's got to give. Something's got to change. And you know what's going to change? God's going to change your heart because God's in the transforming business. We as God's people must reflect God's character. We cannot be like Jonah. We cannot be people who hold grudges, who let bitterness get into our hearts that would turn us sour, fill us with anger, question God, get angry at God, get angry at others. How many of you know that's just not a great witness, amen? How many of you know that's not appealing to other people? How many of you know that when you chew somebody out at the H-E-B checkout line, the next thing you're not about to do is, you know, tell them John 3, 16. You just pray to God that they never show up at church and see you passing the offering plate, you know? Hey, didn't I, aren't you the guy that chewed me out this week? 
Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. That's that bozo that couldn't figure out the checkout line. What are they doing here? Listen, I know it's, I know it's silly, but so many times we allow the old man to come back. The Bible says that we have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. This is the life you were called to live, not a life of defeat, constantly falling into failure and folly and foolishness and death, but a life of victory in Christ, going from glory to glory, being transformed into his image the radiant glory of God on your face. As you walk into H-E-B, people say, where's that guy been? What's he been up to? He just came out of the presence of God. You know, in the book of Acts, when they were uh, abusing the apostles and, and persecuting the apostles, it says when they looked at them, they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They could see, they could, they could tell. These people have been with Jesus. Is that what people say about us? I'm convicted by this today. Is that what people are saying about me and you? Is that what my family's saying about me? Is that what the people who know me the most, is that what the people I interact with, is there something different about me? Or do they say, thank God that person left? Do they, do, they, do they only pray to God when we leave? Are they not thankful when we show up? Can they see that we have been with Jesus? I want you to know that today God is pursuing you in grace. Just as he pursued Jonah, just as he pursued the Ninevites, he is pursuing you today. If you're here today and you say, I don't know Jesus Christ, I don't know anything about this, I've never put my faith in him, listen, God is calling your name today. God wants to set you free of sin. God wants to forgive you of your brokenness and your folly and your foolishness, and he will transform your heart and in your life. If you're a Christian here today and you've been failing in, in any of these areas, you've allowed anger, bitterness, resentment towards other people to get into your heart, listen, God's pursuing you in grace today. You don't have to fall into the same traps of that Jonah fell into, wishing that God would bring judgment on those people. God can set you free today. If you will bring it to him, if you will lay it at the foot of the cross, if you will say, God, take this from me. Help me to walk in freedom and forgiveness today. God will do it. God will take that burden off of you today. And you can walk in freedom. Father, we're so thankful for your word. We're so thankful that you are a God who pursues us in grace. Lord, we don't necessarily know the end of Jonah's story. But Lord, for the end of our story, help us to respond. Help us to care. Help us to be filled with love and grace and mercy and compassion, God. Lord, that we would have your heart. 
Lord, that as we see people who, who may be our enemies, who may be against us, who might not think the way that we think, who might not share our ideology or whatever, God, that we would have compassion. Lord, that we would not be filled with self-righteousness and anger and bitterness and resentment. God, root these things out of us today by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we lay them at your feet today. We ask that you would fill us again with your Holy Spirit, that you would empower us to live as your people, reflecting your character, shining your light and your love in our world and in our community. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.